have. I got a story for you. It's an endless summer of sorts mixed with a little Never Neverland vibe, not the creepy Michael Jackson one, where our protagonist is the Peter Pan that never has to grow up. Instead, he gets to help everyone else who's growing up stay young, party and play with any and all, and get to know all sorts of famous folks. Why? Because he owns the greatest beach bar on the planet. But first, a word from today's sponsor, Andre Psyche. AndrePsyche.com is gone, but Andre Psyche, the man on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, is alive and thriving. You see, Andre's adopted a minimalistic lifestyle for materialistic things like bed mattresses, pillows, his hair. However, his creative libido is fully stimulated and viewable on most social media platforms. Andre is a freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up, Andre Psyche, that's P-S-Y-C-H-E, the next time you're looking to friend or follow someone outside of your social circle. We're also brought to you by Dewey Crush, the taste of summer. Summer's most sought-out and coveted East Coast drink, the Crush, is now available in a ready-to-drink canned cocktail. It's available in three thirst-quenching flavors, the original orange, the refreshing grapefruit, which I'm sipping now as I edit, and an iconic watermelon. Dewey Crush contains smooth, premium vodka, sweet citrus triple sec, fresh fruit juice, and a splash, or dash, of lemon-lime soda, making it the perfect partner to any summer event. So whether you're going to a barbecue, headed to the beach, or just hanging with friends, crush it with the new Dewey Crush. Now available in Dewey Beach and all over Delaware. For more information, just visit DeweyCrush.com. We here at the Getting to Know You Pod need your help. Our sound recording equipment is in dire need of upgrading, since we never really had any, or have any. (laughs) So, we are hoping that you, dear listener, would be kind enough to help. Support the podcast by going to our Patreon and subscribe for as little as $2 a month because your support is the only way to better the quality of this pod, and it is always much appreciated. Two bucks, a little too much? Well, here are three free ways to help. You can push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to us on. You can friend and follow the pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or And, hopefully, you can go to Apple and write a review. These will cost you nothing but your time, dear listeners. And finally, we are looking for sponsors and advertisers. If you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market reach, please consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. Podcast is downloaded coast to coast in the United States and in countries like Canada, the UK, Australia, Brazil, France, jumping on board. Au revoir. Oh, wait, that's goodbye. No au revoir. (laughs) So if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, just message us. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. 
I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. my cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Monty. And Monty, who um, I cold emailed after a year, was kind enough to come on the show to uh, let listeners get to know him. Monty, I'm so glad you could find some time to let people get to know you, man. I really appreciate it. Well, sure. I look forward to it. And just a little background um, for listeners, especially because we we do get downloaded pretty heavily, like New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Delaware, around the area. Um, if you don't know, you should know. Monty's the owner of the best bar in Dewey. Is that <laughs> hyperbole? You know, I'm a little biased, so I'll agree with you, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's the Starbird. Um, you have a dope-ass background that um, people on the pod do not get to see, but I do. Um, and I'm just super appreciative that a, another business owner would support a Startup Delaware podcast, man. I really can't uh, emphasize that enough. I think that's something cool about Sussex County and Delaware in general, that they just seem to appreciate other people trying to do things within the Delaware realm and Delaware people seem to really support each other. Uh, that's a, that's a fact. It's a small community down here that gets really, really, really big in the summer. And, uh, we're all trying to make it. We're all support each other. And the better each one of us does, the better the, the rest of us do. So it's kind of how it all flows together. And, uh, I mean, heck you're in a, we're all in the hospitality or the tourism or whatever business in this area for the most part. So we all want to see everybody else do well. Yeah, it's it's something I grew up in the restaurants and um, it was always I worked at Victoria's on the boardwalk down in Rehoboth. And it, it was always one of those things where you always had recommendations about specific places. So you see a guest and they ask you about a certain thing. You always had like two or three. Oh, you're really into Italian. You would love this. Oh, you're looking for a night scene. You would love this. Oh, you're looking for a quiet early bird. You would love this. And that's something I've always admired. It wasn't like a a jealousy, super competitive, stay away from them kind of a thing. It was more like a, let's grow the area so that people who live here can uh, can prosper, can make a living. Oh, and, I, and I think people appreciate that when they go on vacation themselves and run into a, a local or a server or something that's giving them suggestions because while well, the trip advisors and the you know Yelps and things of the world are, are great, they're not always the most accurate. And when you can get a local's inside view, you're usually going to win. I, I've never spoken. I've seen the South Park episode <laughs> where I think they got into Yelp. Have you seen that? Do you get time to watch TV? I, don't, I was in the South Park for a while, but it's been, it's been a few years. I, I got forgotten everything this past year. Dude, I just recently got back into it, and there was an episode where Cartman becomes a Yelp advisor or a Yelp food critic just to like get better food, free food. You know, like He just constantly drops, well, I'm a professional food critic. But I haven't spoken to a business owner about that. Um, not to slander TripAdvisor or whatever, um, Yelp. But how does that, do you find them authentic? The ratings and reviews, do you? Do people tend to go a little too heavy on the negative? Or do you get a lot of like 3 a.m. drunk posts yeah, that know, are all positive? You know, I, I have mixed feelings. I mean, I use, personally, I use TripAdvisor more than Yelp. I've always been told by people that are much, much, much more knowledgeable than me, which is most um, <laughs> in uh, IT and social media and stuff that TripAdvisor is a little more thorough than the Yelp reviews. Yelp, a lot of people get pretty bitchy, let's just say. And I mean, I think that's a, that's a thing with social media in general. I mean, people aren't looking you at, you know, looking at you in your face. So they're writing 
pretty harshly a lot of times. And uh, so, you know, it's hard to always know what's true. Somebody could have had a, a grievance and just go write bad things about a restaurant. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, I think that I always try to read 15 or 20 of them. So mm -hmm. you can, it's pretty obvious sometimes when it's an employee or an owner or a cousin or a sister or brother of a trying to blow writing versus a real true thorough review because I think you can get a better feel for whether it's a hotel, a destination, or a restaurant through some of the things on TripAdvisor. Um, but you definitely can't just read one or two. And I mean, I'm sure we have plenty that say we stink. I'm sure we have plenty that say we're the greatest place in the history of the world. And I'm pretty sure we fall somewhere in the middle of that. <laughs> More towards the greatest place in the history of the world, of course. But, you know, it's uh, you get all sorts of them, so they're hard to, it's hard to zero in on them. Is it a big deal for you to the, the social media presence or the trip advisor presence, or are you more of like a word of mouth guy? Let's focus on people just having a great experience and talking to their friends without. Yes. And yes. Oh. Meaning, you know, I care about what people are saying on trip advisor. I care what people are saying everywhere. Um, social media in general. I mean, the, the starboard is a fun place where you're, you know, we're a lot of things to a lot of people. We, uh, we being a starboard is, we're a breakfast joint. We're a restaurant. We're busy all the time with all three meals. We're really busy at night for the bar scene. And we're busy in January and February. We're busy in July and August. So we, uh, you know, whether it's catering to the locals, whether it's catering to the summer tourism crowd, we, we do a lot for a lot of people. And they all do a lot for us by supporting this place so heavily because we couldn't be more thankful to always be busy. But making sure that every single person that comes in and out of this place has a great time, great experience, great value and wonderful customer service. It all adds up so that the reputation overall is very positive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what I mean when I say that it's all important because what people are saying on social media and Instagram and, you know, TripAdvisor and Yelp and all that stuff. We're reading it all. We're watching it all. And we're here. If, if I come across something or somebody points something out to where somebody did not have a good experience, trust me, I don't sleep. I don't breathe. I get right to the internet to reach out to that person, to contact them, understand and try to correct whatever may have gone wrong. Oh my God. Thankfully, thankfully it's not too often it happens, but when it does, we uh, want to make sure it wasn't a misunderstanding and that we, we get to the bottom of it. That's that's pretty insane for me to hear from an owner, especially of, of a brand. Like, I mean, the Starbird's a pretty big business that you uh, take that kind of time, man. It's pretty amazing to me. Well, we do. And uh, luckily, I don't have to be the guy that's on hands on the floor every hour of every day like I once was. <laughs> so I uh, have kind of graduated to the, you know, reputation management type thing and sit up here and make sure that I respond to every single email, every single, you know, critics good or bad and that's just part of what i think makes this place special there's a there is a very personal touch to it and i uh don't have any problem being that guy to give the personal touch why is that so important to you why not just be super corporate and cold you know what <laughs> probably because i started working at the starboard when i was 17 18 years old i've grown up with the place i care it and care about it so much that i love this place as much as everybody else so i want to make sure that Everybody else has the same experience that I have when I'm here. Trust me, my social life, I tell people, do I work every day? Yes. But am I out every day? Yes. Because this place is as social and fun as it is for me, as it is 
difficult and challenging and all the other things that come along with the restaurant business for me. It's, uh, you know, I'm the luckiest guy in the world that I get to spend every day working in an environment that everybody is pretty much having fun, enjoying, right. you know, the, the secret to the restaurant business is building families. And with the restaurants that we have, this is another family for me. And uh, we all treat it that way and we all care. I care just as much for myself as I do every server, bus kid, door guy, bartender that is here, that, you know, people leaving here had a great experience so that they can continue to make money. They continue to do what they do and to make people happy when they leave here. Was it, was it difficult for you, social media, navigating that and getting into that realm or did it come honest and easy to you? Because you seem, I mean, as a, as a super young man, what are you, like 25, 30 at this point? Yeah, yeah, I'm something like that. Well, a little, little older than that, but uh, it, it still is difficult for me. I mean, I've been showed how to do, uh, you know, Twitter and Snapchat about two dozen times, and I still don't figure that stuff out. But, it's you know, I got a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old child at home. They, they can do it better than me, and that's normal. Yeah. Um, but it's... We, we now have help and we've got wonderful support staff with social media that helped me, you know, uh, learn how to do this kind of stuff and follow it. But it's, uh, I'm no different than anybody else. I'm just on it. I'm just me trying to figure it out and trying to make sure people that came to my business are happy. Gotcha. So that, that's an interesting point. Is it, is it a little bump or is it easier for you if like a bartender, what a, a bartender is into Instagram? They're posting, and do you kind of encourage that more so than like hiring a PR firm? Yeah, well, I mean, we have we have a couple that it's not a firm, a couple that work with us with our with our social media and with our website and stuff like that. But really, the way we try to do it, and I think what's important in any any business, but especially any restaurant, is consistency. So we we try to get the message set. Here's our message of the day, of the week, of the hour, and. Okay we leave it up to our staff to share it a zillion times because they are so much more adapt to social media as long as we put the message out. So you get it consistently and everybody's on the same page. That's what's important. That's, I had not thought about that and not, not that it's a pyramid scheme or scheming in any way, but I'm thinking of like that hierarchy where here's the message. And then all of a sudden your bartender, your bar back, your head waitress, your line cook, whatever, they're sharing, retweeting, following you, and then able to take that image and put it out to the people who follow them on social media. Is that well, kind here's, of a, here's a perfect example. An hour ago, I put out an e-blast. It goes out to about 25,000 people. That's what our, uh, our mailing list is as far as email mailing list. Who knows what it is social media-wise. And I finally have nailed down a date for our world-famous running of the bull. We do that every year. For This will be the 24th year we've done the running of the bull. Every year it's been either the first week of July or, or June. For the last six, eight, ten years, it's been in June, late June. But this year with COVID, we didn't know when the world would be normal, when we could get away with an event like that, even though it's mostly outdoors. So I pushed it to August. Of course, what I ran into was there was other dates, you know, other events already scheduled on the dates I was trying to schedule it. So I finally have got a firm commitment to Saturday, August 21st, to be the 24th annual run into the bowl at the starboard. What I mean by that is for the last week, people have been texting and emailing and calling and confused and there's posts. People don't know, when is it? What is it? Is it the 14th? Is it the 7th? Is it June? 
And so I just kept telling people, hold off, hold off, hold off. Don't say a word. Let me get everything put together, get some images made up. And we did that. And I just announced it. And sure enough, I get about 74 emails in the first 15 minutes of people like, yay, excited. All right, it's out. It's official. So, uh, and now, you know, people are, can I share it? Can I share it? Like, yes, yes, yes. It's official now. Please share it. So for that reason, we try to be very careful and have consistent messaging so that we do not confuse people. Makes they sense. book a house, they book a condo, they book a That's hotel room, and then they get disappointed that whatever event we're hosting, that they're not here on the wrong time. That's exactly, in my mind, um, went to like Sea Witch and Rehoboth, where I imagine people, and I don't know the rental rate for running of the bull, like how many people get home specifically or beach house specific, Airbnb specifically for that event. But, you know, Sea Witch gets canceled, and now all of a sudden people have booked two years in advance to get this prime spot to be able to see this really cool weekend event. Yep. Yeah, and, and I mean, see which, just like the bull run, bull run is usually fairly consistent when it falls, but, you know, it's COVID's the reason we changed it this year. And I don't want to try to rush it and do it in two weeks like we normally would. So August 21st it is, but, you know, I don't know how many people or how to quantify how many people come for running the bull. Let's just say a lot. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I get every hotel room. I get, I get thank you emails and texts all day long from so many businesses in both the Rehoboth and the Dewey and the Lewis and Bethany areas. Just saying thank you. They say you've you've created a fourth holiday weekend with that event. So, and I want that always you. makes me proud because you know the greatest thing in business is not only to do well yourself, but when you can help others out and they're doing well because of something you're doing, sure gives you a great feeling of community. Dude, it's symbiotic, right? Like you, yep. you just, it's the win-win. I've, I've not, maybe it's my anti-tourism, not that that's a bad word because we're grateful that people come to the shore of Delaware, but I've never been to the running of the bull and I know nothing about the running of the bull. So without being humble at all, explain to me why it's such a big deal. <laughs> oh boy. That's, I mean, there's really not a way to put your finger on other. It is silliness, zaniness at its best. I mean, what we specialize in here is people coming to the beach, having a great time, being happy, having fun, having a few cocktails, having some great food, and just, you know, letting loose a little bit. That's probably going to happen more this year than ever before after the past year. But the bull run was started by a gentleman named Michael McDonald, who's a great friend to myself and the starboard staff itself. He is started with i was just a bartender those days actually just a bartender i was a lot more hierarchy up than the owner because bartenders are up here ownerships down here but uh <laughs> That's it started with about 35 people under the ownership of chip Hearn, who owned the starboard before us and who i worked for for 12 years before purchasing this place and it was 30 35 people that were sitting around the bar one day watching the news or watching sports center and there was pamplona spain the running of the bull the next week they came in with a bull costume and said, we should chase the bull down the beach and do our own run of the bull. So 35, 40 people did that. It was fun. They drank a lot. They had a great time. And the next year they said, let's get, let's make this a thing and do it coinciding with the actual running of the bull in Pamplona, Spain. And uh, they got a bull head. They ran down the beach year two. There was probably a hundred, 150 people that showed up to do it. Uh, the following years when we purchased starboard, I couldn't, I, of course, like to over-exaggerate on everything. So we went all in and made it 
an official event, if you want to call it that. It had a date on the calendar. We had publicized it. It wasn't just Michael and his 30, 40 friends. It got bigger, bigger, and bigger. We promoted it. And uh, now let's just say thousands and thousands of people are here. When we do the event, we expand the premise of the restaurant out into the parking lot, into the streets. The Dewey police, the state police, the Del Dot folks, everybody works with us to make it a successful, smooth event. Because at the end of the day, you say, what is it? It's really just people having a great time. They do still, if there's thousands of people here, I would say hundreds only ever leave the place to go run the bull down the beach. The lifeguards <laughs> set it up at two o'clock that day. We have an official ceremony, the anthem, the firemen are here. Um, they hold up traffic for just a few seconds while everybody gets across the street safely. Gotcha. When the light turns red, they go, 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 go. Everybody gets across the street. They walk up to the beach. The lifeguards pull everybody out of the water. All of our people run down the dune line, not the dune line, the shoreline of the beach and uh, chase the bull right back here to the starboard where we have a muck bullfight. And I guess I'd be remiss if I did not say the bull is actually just two people in a bull costume. It's not a real bull. Um, so it's silliness and you're just kind of mocking the Pamplona Spain where actually people are fighting a real bull, getting injured and running. Ours is more of a slow, slow, slow jog down the beach. Um, so it's just fun. It's funny people. It's really good humor. And the, the neat part about it is it started out, you know, it gets a little bit of a drunken reputation for it. People are having some fun, having a lot of cocktails, but we now have tried to well round things as we've done in Dewey beach. And we, we have a kids running to the bull that morning on the beach. The bull goes down. We have a lot of mascots. We get to come, whether it's the Washington capitals or the nationals mascots or the Philadelphia mascots, whoever we can get to come, we invite to come no way. to town. We get the kids out on the beach. We usually get four to 500 kids out on the beach that morning. And they, we do some music and dances and games and we give them free t-shirts saying I ran the starboard bull and uh, you know, they go back to school the next year when they ran the bull at the starboard and right. their teachers get a good laugh at it. Cause I'm sure a lot of their teachers were at the adult bull run that day <laughs> themselves. That's kind of it. I mean, it's really just about fun. We have turned it into a fundraiser. Okay. We raised the funds for the Rehoboth beach volunteer fire department oh and it's generally anywhere between six and ten thousand dollars that we donate from that event huge to our local fire department they are volunteers they are friends they are supporters of what we do here so we we have you know we feel a lot better about the craziness of that event that we can turn it into a profitable thing for them just as, as a side note um i had ig burton on when he was running for re-election for the uh Sussex yep. county council and he, a huge part of his heart was the importance of the volunteers who in Delaware, like Delaware is primarily volunteer people that run into burning homes to save property and save people at any sure. time of the day. And it's a, it's a huge budget saver. It's a huge tax saver for people in Delaware that they don't have to, that Delaware doesn't have to figure out how to pay full-time fire people. And it's awesome that you use your event to help support that. Well, it's awesome. I mean, we have gotten, we have grown up a little bit in this area where we have full-time paramedics and and, right. uh, and driving the ambulances now, but a long time ago, it wasn't that way either. Yeah. But that's a necessary thing right now. And I'm just, I'm fortunate that some of those guys actually work here at the starboard as their side jobs, or maybe the paramedics are their side job and this is the real job. I'm not <laughs> sure, but it uh, it's something I'm grateful for. 
those guys have taken care of us on numerous occasions and they are all wonderful people that mean well so we we yeah. love to support them and wish we could even support them more no doubt first responders yeah. are um it, it's it can be easy to take it for granted just the fact that if smoke gets out there or someone calls a phone number there's multiple people with a lot of resources that come running to just help you as a stranger if you just put it as basic as it is it's it's amazing that that happens it is you uh you mentioned IG Burton. His uh, his son, young IG, worked here for many years. Oh no he way! Just, he just left us and moved out west on us, but that's okay. We, you know, we while I didn't grow up, we we allow some of the people here to grow up every now and then. <laughs> yeah, I I I don't know. I I want to. I can't imagine the people who have worked in the restaurant, but I want to stay on the bull, the running of the bull, for a moment. Is it a huge deal to pick who fights the bull in the ceremonial bullfight? Is that like an honor of some sort or do people bid on that? How does that work? No, it's, I mean, there's always some sort of quirkiness to it. I mean, we've had tryouts before to be in the bull costume. <laughs> the first, first 10 years or so, it was the bull itself was about the same two people. The, the head of the bull and the rear end of the bull were the same. We've had, we'd have everybody from Dewey commissioners to reporters for the Cape Gazette to local celebrities, to national celebrities, to customers here, all do it. You know, we want a character. We want some personality to it. Uh, the last run of the we had was obviously 2019, missing last year. And uh, Ryan Phillippe, the actor, he was the matador for the run of the bull. No I had just met him several weeks before that. Mentioned to him he was outstanding, as you can imagine, being a Hollywood actor. He acted it up. He played it up. He promoted it up to the point where I'm nervous because if he starts promoting this thing nationally and his following, we won't have enough room to hold the people. So I was hoping, not that it's a name drop, but it's a name drop. Um, Stanford Steve wore a Starbird shirt on SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt. And Scott Van Pelt shouts out Funland and the Starbird yep. numerous times. Can I get any sort of insight like do you just go play golf with these guys <laughs> they're, they're good friends i mean i i'm literally looking at my phone and stanford steve just texted a minute ago stop so about something he's coming and said it's uh scott and he have become very good friends over the years they they both are big fans of the starboard um we've grown as friends over the years and uh <clears throat> stanford you know scott moved his show a year ago, just about a year ago from Bristol, Connecticut down to DC. Mm -hmm. And that's because he grew up as a DC guy. Yeah. His mother is a homeowner in Bethany beach. Scott now has a wonderful family and they've been coming to stay with his mother for years in Bethany. And Scott recently purchased a home in Bethany beach with his family. And he's really, really excited that not only can he come down and have his own place, but his family can, live the life he always wanted to live, having a you know, summer home at the beach. Right. Of course, he still comes up to the starboard. He was here with me. We hung out for a few hours over Memorial Day. You know, you have to be a little protective with Scott because everybody wants a picture with Scott, and he loves to do it. As long as people are respectful to him, he is such an awesome, awesome human being and respectful to them. And, uh, you know, he understands the selfie means a lot to people, so he, he does his best to handle it. No doubt. Um, and he, he can't hide. Midway par three up the street here. That's his favorite course. Stop. Midway par three? Oh, he loves it. He loves no. it. Here's, here's a guy that belongs to several other really, really spectacular clubs in midway par threes where he plays his golf. Oh, my God. And I, I, you've gone out with him to play at midway par three? Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, so you're looking at a 54, right? That's par on a par three? <laughs> Probably. 
All right. So then what do you guys typically shoot? Oh, I don't know. Somebody's always a few under and everybody else is a few over. It's nothing. Dude. Nobody's, you know, we're out there to have fun. If you're playing a midway part three, you're there to have a great time. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. God, that's amazing. I, I've, I've never thought of Scott Van Pelt being at midway par three. Like I grew up there before um, the condos went up, they had the, like the best driving range where you could, yeah. I, I forget how much it cost, man, but they had clubs galore. You could literally show up behind fairway village. You grab a bucket of balls, might've been four or $5. You didn't even have to bring your own clubs. They had, and, and you could just get out there and kind of learn how to hit and just have so much fun shaded. You know, it was, it's well, Scott, uh, Scott told me a story. He was here, you know, I don't know what the weekend was sometime and I'll call it early May, late April. And he went out there by himself one day and practiced one day. And then went out with another buddy on Saturday. I think it was Saturday. And, uh, Apparently there was some sort of tournament going on. He's like, I've never been here when there's a tournament. And he said, I don't know if it was the roofers or the plumbers or, the, you know, it was an association for sure. But he said, everybody out there was having a great time, you know, midway part three where you can get away with wearing jeans, whatever you want to wear. Go shirtless. And, uh, <laughs> I feel like I probably took about 800 selfies that day, but I have to tell you, Everybody was so kind, so respectful, and so wonderful. I loved it. <laughs> I didn't realize there were so many sports fans that, you know, out at Midway Par 3 the day I was there, but they were. Oh, well, dude, he's – I don't know. Between the radio show and Sports Center, like if, if you're – if you've worked in a restaurant, you know ESPN's on in the background. Like that's the go-to, especially before all these extra channels started having sports yep. talk shows. It, 90s, early 2000s, it's nothing but ESPN. And he's – He's a large man. Isn't he like 6'5", something like that? Oh, yeah. He's at least 6'5". Yeah. But he's, you know, I, thought, I think it's kind of neat. He came down. Scott <clears throat> was down Memorial Day weekend. He did the show Saturday, came to the beach late night, middle of the night, drove down to be with his family. And then Sunday night, he came by the starboard, text me to come up. Uh, we had a band, Kristen the Noise, on stage, and the place was a mob scene. The entire town was a mob scene. The weather was horrific. Um, people had been partying all day, and he... Uh, he came and I sat with him for a while behind the stage, just watching the crowds because he didn't want to be on the middle of that crowd. He'd get mauled, right? Literally. And uh, <clears throat> he looked at me and he goes, "You know, I just wanted to come up for a few hours and watch. I'm in a studio every day, every night. I'm with my family. If I'm not, I'm not out in the real world because I work all day, all night, and I have a show that's late." And he goes. I haven't really seen the world since we've been back, which was only a week or two at that point, uh, back to what you call normal. The COVID restrictions have been lifted and he was just ecstatic to sit here and video a little bit. You know, he loves live music. Kristen's phenomenal. Yeah. And it was neat to see him be able to just kind of come, loosen up, relax, drink a couple of Diet Cokes. That's his, uh, that's his juice. And, uh, you know, he had a wonderful, he comes up here all the time. He loves it. You know, he's got a bunch of knucklehead Maryland friends that are all his close buddies. They're all up here being just that, knuckleheads. So he's <laughs> he likes to come, you know, see them, do what they do. He's like, his patience wears thin on him a little bit. And he gets out and gets back to Bethany, comes up the next day and hangs out with his buddies again. The Weekend Warriors. Gotta love the Weekend Warriors. Yep. How how did the relationship start? Was he going to the bar before you were owning? Like, because if his grandparents owned a house in Bethany, would, was he like day tripping up here and you served him or something? Or oh, Scott's on? been coming for a long time. I mean, his career started, uh, you know, much much sooner than for Sports Center and ESPN. You know, he was a golf channel. He was stuff. And he before I knew him, he was coming to the starboard. You know, I got we got to know each other through friends of friends. So we 
We've all uh, we've all gotten older. We've all grown as friends. Dude, that's awesome. And how much does Stanford Steve help your gambling? Like, how much inside <laughs> information and money have you won because uh, of the tips? He's not a big inside information guy, but he's he is big into the gambling and he loves the starboard. My God, does he love an orange crush? But he uh, he does, he comes down and what a wonderful wonderful person he is. Got to know him a lot in the last few years, and you know, love every time he's here. He loves it here. I'm having some shirts made for him now because he loves to wear the shirts, and that certainly doesn't hurt our media and marketing. Dude, no doubt. Um, but he's, you know, I'm not a huge gambler, but I have certainly put a few bucks down when he's uh, told me who he likes. So, it, but it's not it's something he shares too often. I mean, he's, that, that's his industry and his business. But yeah. we have fun with it. He usually, uh, he knows us, us guys that are fans of certain teams. He just gives a nod when. He thinks our team's going to do well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, right. It It's something where I do like – I wish you could place single bet games anywhere in Delaware. I like the parlay cards. It does make Sunday so much fun to have bets. And you could spend whatever, 5 bucks and try to win 15 or $20, as simple as that. But just having that little bit of skin in the game makes a Sunday afternoon so much more fun. I'm, I'm so happy that Delaware's kind of embraced a, the, the gambling aspect of sports betting. Well, yeah, I mean, it's you can pretty much gamble anywhere in these days, whether it's Delaware, whether it's online, whether it's with your friends. Um, <laughs> it's it's just part of everyday life. And, it's, and I mean, all these sports teams are getting I me mean, Washington, D.C. I, I read something that the I grew up in the D.C. area as a Redskin fan. I guess I can't say that word anymore, but oh, I still yeah, will right. and always will. <laughs> but, uh, you know, some of these new stadiums are trying to incorporate gambling into their stadiums. It's just part of the future. Some people don't like it. Some people do, whether it's gambling, whether it's marijuana, whether it's alcohol, whether it's cigarettes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all part of the world and, uh, you know, life is changing, whether it's COVID, whether it's those things like that, but it's revenue generating and nobody wants to miss out on revenue because that's what makes the world spin. So need to find out how to make it work and do it ethically. Right. And, you know, there's a lot to it. I know, but it's, it's certainly, you know, there's not, I mean, the lines used to be, used to be newspapers that wouldn't print the lines because they didn't want to endorse gambling. Now I don't think there's a newspaper. Yeah, no, they're all in. Yeah, they're all in. And, and it's honestly, I've really enjoyed the science and the analysis behind it. And if you look at just from like an intellectual standpoint, especially with smartphones, it, it makes people's readers. It makes people number crunchers. It makes people data trend followers. Like there really is a sophistication to the gambling that I don't know. I, I'm not used to the whole bookie thing where you got a guy, you make a call, you worry about your yeah. leg getting broken if you whatever juice is being run kind of a thing. But like I feel like people, it's a science now where people I, can I make agree. If you're if you're actually playing the numbers and you're trying to figure out why, you know, so why the Redskins who are terrible playing the Cowboys who are great are favored by one everybody's gonna take the cowboy you know yeah they, they seem to know something i mean it's neat very interesting playing the numbers and trying to figure out why somebody's only favored a certain amount that you would think would be a landslide or not i mean the super bowl nobody knew what to think with tom brady and tampa yeah and you oh, know, sure enough we yeah. all saw what happened yeah that didn't play out well for me <laughs> just <laughs> as a personal gambler that did not play out i was not happy that the bucks defense um crushed Mahomes like that yeah, and I mean, it's everybody just assumed Mahomes was going to go crazy, and 
Yeah. I would assume that most people assumed wrongly. Yeah. Now I, it does make me wonder like the psychological aspect, like how much are number crunchers in Vegas setting those lines and how much are like behavioralists that analyze tendencies of like just bias towards old guys like Brady or fads, you know, and then you throw age in there. Mahomes maybe connects with the younger generation, how much money goes with that and how you set a line, that kind of stuff, the business end of it. I'd love to, I'd love to know more about. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I mean, I I don't have time to follow it a whole lot, but I, I uh I bet. You know, when football season starts, the starboard season winds down or certainly eases up. So I am more of a football fan than anything, but I'm I'm more of a hockey fan than anything. I'm a Washington Capitals guy. Oh no way. Through with season ticket holder. I mean, I love hockey in general, so I don't I don't dislike the Flyers. I mean, I only dislike the Penguins, but that's <laughs> that's what you do when you're a hockey guy, but I uh I have not figured out how to gamble on hockey to this day. I have here and there just out of fun during the playoffs, but I still don't understand it. So it's. I've, I've been to one hockey game. I know Ovechkin and Crosby, but that's because they were around when I was in my twenties. It seems like they they don't age on hockey. I, what makes hockey complicated from a gambling aspect? What makes it complicated? complicated? Yeah. I if just, you follow it's it. It's just, you know, it's not a point spread. It's not stuff like that. It's you're betting on, you know, you're taking a money line versus this. It's just over, over my, you know, ability to comprehend. I just stay away from it. Gotcha. Yeah. I, Plus, I, I, I always want to bet on my team because I think my team's going to win every time. And that's it's just the worst. Silly there. I've heard that's the worst when you have that fandom in you. It you just you're almost better off not betting any game that your team is involved in versus trying to act like you don't have feelings. Or just bet against your team every time, so it's a win-win. <laughs> you either win money or your team wins. Or they win, right? I've done that just because it is a win-win, and I'm like, all right, I'll pay for my team to win. I either win money or my team wins. How? Why are you into hockey? Uh, just growing up in the Washington area, you know, D.C. was an up-and-coming hockey town. Now it's a full-on hockey town. You know, I had season tickets. I got to know a lot of the Washington Capitals. They used to come down to the Starboard. A lot of the players came down here, so I got close with a bunch of them. So I, I just got into following it, and uh, there, there we go. I've always felt, and I don't know if it's a bias of mine, I always feel like hockey guys are some of the un- most underrated athletes that you'll see. Toughness, cardio, strength, size. Like I heard Eric Lindros basically be like an NFL time event, almost like Jeremy Shockey, right? Like was a huge, huge, massive man. And I had no idea that hockey guys are coming to the starboard as well. That's insane to me. Well, hockey, I think hockey is the up and coming sport. I mean, it's football. I'm a football fan, but it certainly seems to be losing some of its popularity. I have two young girls. And they will watch a hockey game with me any day of the week. When I've got a football game on, they have zero interest. I mean, they're girls, but still. So much talking, man. Hockey is a lot like that soccer flow, but you have the physicality that goes along with it. You know, there's not a lot of stoppage. Yep, I agree. So I just think it's up and coming, and it's certainly, you know, it's growing in popularity every year. Can can I get a couple more name drops? I Like, I'm amazed that you're just like – I don't know. It's such a weird world. I'm such a fanboy. I'm like, yeah, you know, a lot of hockey guys come to the Starbird as well. It that that's amazing to me. Who else are some people that listeners would kind of know that? Um, I don't know. I mean, we get the I, I trust me. I'm 
I'm the last to know a lot of times when there's somebody famous in here. I mean, people were showing me Memorial Day weekend here, so-and-so from this TV show or that TV show, and I have no idea. I mean, I, I'll i tell you a funny one that I thought was years ago. Um, Owen Wilson was in line, and someone came. I guess they were filming Wedding Crashers on the eastern shore, and they were in town, and the line was really long getting to starboard. And somebody came up to me and said, Hey, Monty, uh, Owen Wilson, you know, they, Owen and Luke Wilson are here. They, they want to know if they can get in. I said, no, like I didn't know, but I don't, I don't ever let somebody sneak somebody in front of the line. That's the most obnoxious thing in the world. If you were sitting in line waiting for 50 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever it is, and you see an owner come up and sneak somebody in, you're, that's just rude. Um, so I was like, no, I don't, I don't, you know, do that. A few minutes later, I go in and I was telling somebody, I was like, yeah, you know, Owen Wilson. I don't, I don't even know who that is. And somebody goes, you don't know who Owen Wilson is? I said, they showed me a picture. I said, oh, that Owen Wilson. <laughs> I just thought it was somebody named Owen Wilson. I said, well, I absolutely would have snuck him in the back gate when nobody's seen it, gotten him in here, because that's great for business to have a superstar, you know, actor like Owen and Luke Wilson in here. And I was just such an idiot. At the same point, I became instantly popular because the word on the street was that Monty wouldn't even let Owen Wilson in the line. And I said, my own stupidity worked in my favor, you know, once again, because people were so appreciative that I cared so much about those waiting in line that I didn't let Owen in. I go, if I was had any sort of a brain at all, I would have snuck Owen in the back, but I didn't even know who they were talking about. And uh, instantly it worked to my advantage. Is it the crushes? Like, is it the weird shark like that? Um, I don't know. Like, why, why, why are they picking the starboard? Why do you think? It's the greatest place on earth. I mean, come on, that's a dumb question. I know. I was trying to like lob it, not like in an insulting way. I was trying to get like uh, a little promo. It. I mean, where else can you go and be so many different people, sizes, you know, ages? I mean, our age range is like three to one hundred and three. Everybody comes here and loves it. I mean, from food to drink to entertainment, we don't yeah. charge cover charges like others do. We don't, uh, you know, we, we're seven days a week. We have entertainment. We have the greatest staff in the history of bars and restaurants. And we, I mean, I don't even call it a bar. It's a bar and a restaurant. We have it. We, we catered everything. I mean, what's not to love? You walk in here, you feel like, you know, the TV show Cheers. Somebody knows your name. Everybody knows your name. Everybody thinks they're your business partner. Everybody thinks they're your best customer. Everybody thinks they're your VIP. Gotcha. And it's just, you know, we feel that way too, because everyone is, is very important. And we are so fortunate. I'm not just saying this to say it, that the support we get, because, you know, you open the doors here and people flock in. So it's, it's just a wonderful place to be, to work, to be a part of, and to to walk onto an airplane wearing a starboard shirt and have half the airplane say to you, Oh my God, I love that place. I had the best time of my life there. That yeah. Just, right. It never stops. Yeah. So m maybe that would have been the better question <laughs> was like, how much do you feel like your vision came to creating that vibe or that ambiance? Or do you think it's just like a Dewey vibe and you're kind of riding the wave in of what Dewey's about? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, people say to me, you got to put a starboard here. You got to put a starboard there. Put one in Puerto Rico. Put one in D.C. Put one in, in Vegas. Put one. I said, the starboard is the starboard because of Dewey Beach. We are, you know, we exist because of the town of Dewey Beach. I mean, it was here before the town of Dewey Beach was incorporated, but the area, the, 
vibe, the feel of this place. It's because of this, you know, lack of infrastructure feel that's made Dewey what it is today. You know, the bottle and cork is as important to the starboard as the starboard is to the bottle and cork. It's the jam session, the live music, the national acts they have. We benefit from all those. They benefit from us. We all work together. And, you know, it's, it's, I would love to say that I'm some brilliant person that had this vision and had this thing. I don't know anything more than anybody else. I come to work every day. I make decisions as they're thrown at me and we grow with it. I think probably what makes this place genuine is that I love it just as much as everybody else. I can't wait to come here. When I, when I was an employee here working for the Hearn family, he used to give us crap when we'd be here on our night off. He'd be like, if you're here on your night off, you may as well work. And I'm like, Chip, you don't understand. It's so much more fun to come here when you're off than when you have to be here. And that's, that's the story to everything. You know, when you have to be here, you don't want to always be here, but right. when you don't, when you come on your own, it's so much fun. I think that still holds true today. Our staff, we incentivize them to come in on their nights off. They get 50% off everything. We want them oh, bringing their friends it. in. We want their family. You know, we appreciate what everybody does for the place. So we give back and we treat our people very, very well. Nothing more than during COVID. During COVID last year, we, we, we were open during, you know, just getting a little bit into the whole COVID life and world. Those two and a half months of being closed, we were open for takeout and our managers who were phenomenal and my own family, you know, that I work with and live with every day here, not physically live with, but spend all our time with, they worked at the takeout counters and people were very, very generous during takeout. They came in, they got takeout every day. They got takeout crushes. The state gave us that ability. And that was fantastic. People tipped really well to the point where they were doing three, $4,000 a day in tips we wow. weren't even doing that in sales and we we're doing that in tips on I've, some days. I've heard and that. We, we took uh, 100% of the tips and every week or two, we would split up the tips amongst our entire staff. And everybody that worked here got, you know, 300, 400, $500 every week or two due to the generosity of our customers because people love the Starboard. They know our staff was hurt from COVID. There was nothing we could do. Nobody knew who could collect unemployment at that time or yeah. couldn't. And, they still even collected unemployment. They weren't making the money they would normally be making here. So it really brought this place together tighter than ever. I mean, we are, we are a family in love and hate, meaning sometimes the drama gets thick because everybody's together so often. But that being said, they, they wear this place on their sleeves. They rare, they have a chip on their shoulders and uh, I don't think I'm any different. I mean, I love it every day. I come in every day. I, you know, I can't say enough about the people that work here and the, the, all that we do, because I think that is what portrays out to the customers. I think they see it. They know it. They see us live in this. We live the starboard. Yeah. Just the vibe. Thankfully so to so many of our customers. Dude, I had no idea. I might like, don't you have a t-shirt shop? Could I get a job selling t-shirts on just like a Saturday, a three hour shift and get 50% no way, off? Man, you're too old. <laughs> No, we uh, <laughs> gotta get the younger ones. We sell a lot of t-shirts. I mean, I always tell people in Delaware the t-shirts you see the most are starboard and dogfish head. Yeah, and you see those shirts everywhere: stickers, starboard, and dogfish. No doubt, no doubt. The dude, the fifty percent off for staff on nights off was that like an original idea of yours, or how did that come about? That's yeah, that's a... just something we. I mean, I have two business partners. We start out. It's just how we do. We 
in all of our restaurants. We take care of the staff and we want them to eat and drink in our places. That's, that's a thank you. And that's good for business. Good for customers to see them back in our places. Right. And then also almost like what we were talking about earlier, if when customers come in and they are working, they know the experience of being a customer and they know what makes it good. And then they're reciprocating that they're giving that back to customers when they're absolutely. I mean, it's all to me, it's common sense. You know, it's what we do. It's, it's just kind of one of our core values, take care of people and take care of our customers. Take care. I mean, again, I'm the most thankful guy in the world for what this place is built into. I did not have a plan. I was 29 years old. The Hearns who owned it came to me and said, I should, figure out a way to buy this place. And I was like, how do you, how do you buy the starboard with $16 in your bank account? And, uh, you know, I was, had help. I had my partners today help me figure out how to do this. We raised money through investors. We had, you know, the bank support us and we were able to do it. And we took a place that started <clears throat> as me as a bartender and working with my family business and real estate that just love the starboard. I always joke kind of seriously, even though I'm joking, that I'm not a restaurateur, I'm a starboard guy. I know the business of the starboard. I might I might not know the restaurant business, but thankfully we've grown in the years and all the other businesses we have. And uh, I know the restaurant business pretty well now. Why do you think they picked you? Or why do you think they wanted you to own the starboard? Well, I worked for the Hearns for 13 years. And I think maybe, you know, I don't know. I, at least I felt my passion for this place was so strong that they felt I was the guy to continue on. Anytime you own a business and you're going to sell it, you want somebody that's going to carry on what you've started and what you've created. The Hearn family took this place from a true blue local dive bar, you know, spaghetti house, Italian joint to more of a tourist attraction. I will say that we have taken it to a whole new level, but all I've done is taken the things that they taught me to do well and double down or triple down or quadruple down on it. And, uh, you know, that's really where it's come from. It's you know, important to me is to be well-rounded, take care of locals as well as take care of the tourist crowd to be well-rounded in terms of weather. You know, we've done all the physical things to this building. So if it's sunny and 99 degrees out, we're your place because we have all the air conditioning in the world in here. If it's <laughs> raining and windy on Memorial Day weekend, two weeks ago, we're your place because we've have awnings that retract out and cover and do it. If it's sunny and 80 degrees, perfect weather. We're your place because we have a full outdoor parking, parking lot courtyard that's beautiful to sit, eat, drink, enjoy in. And so every single weather scenario there is, other than maybe a hurricane or a nor'easter, which we've we've been open and done well yeah. through those too, it's starboard weather. So, I mean, I feel that way about our clientele. I feel the way about the weather. We just try to be a lot of things to a lot of people and keep the masses happy. Create the environment. That's, uh, did you think working there that you would be an owner where you, did you grow up hoping never. to be a business owner? Never, never. And, and the day the Hearns approached me about buying the place, I thought they were out of their minds. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's exciting. It's almost, you know, it's almost not, you know, hard to believe it's true, but it's, you know, I still enjoy today when these 17, 18, 19 year olds start. I always say my best friends are 17, 18, and 19, not not in a creepy way, but in a, uh, like, <laughs> that's when I started, so I understand the excitement right. that starting here at a young age, it's overwhelming, and, you know, I'm hopeful that a lot of those guys and kids and girls, gals will 
stick around till they're 26, 27, 28, or for that matter, 48, um, and stay with us as I have. I mean, I, I never did grow up. I went and worked with my family's business for a little while in the real world, real world. And, uh, you know, ended up buying the place. And so I'm living the dream. What was, if I can ask, what was the family's business? Uh, real estate, commercial real estate in DC. Oh, okay. I, I always had sand between my toes and I, I was fortunate to have grandparents that had a beach house at the beach and stayed, you know, like so many do and stayed with them for summers. And I always wanted this to be home. My, my grandfather at a young age used to tease me when I was about seven, eight years old, I would go to church with him and I would check the little bulletin on the journal. They passed to the church saying I wanted to join the church because I wanted to live in Rehoboth beach. <laughs> Can can you help me get an understanding? So I moved to Rehoboth um, since I've already been identified as too old to sell t-shirts at the Starbird. I'm 40. I think I moved to Rehoboth when I was 11. So I went to school at Lewis Middle School. Um, and it, I remember Route 1 was two lanes. We were super excited when McDonald's went out of Rehoboth and onto Route 1 and when the third lane got added to Route 1. That's kind of like my watermark of how Delaware has changed or how like Rehoboth route one has changed. Can you get me a little bit into you? And if you've been coming this long, man, the, the changes you've seen and how you've kind of dealt with it, <laughs> coped. Well, I mean, I'm a little older than you. I hit the 50 mark a year ago. So I, uh, I started working, coming to the beach literally the week I was born, my parents tell me. And but when I was about four or five years old, I used to walk down, my, my parents, grandparents had a house in Henlopen Acres. Okay. One of those original houses, they bought the lot for $10,000 and they bought the house for $40,000. Kind of changed uh, <laughs> since then. So Good value. I think it was the third, fourth or fifth house, one of the early houses in the Acres back in the mid 50s. But I was, you know, around 19, early 70s when I was a young kid, I would ride my bike down to Henlopen Acres Beach Club and I would put the footrests physically on the chairs. And then when I was about seven years old, I started working for one of our other local legends named Keith Mack. Uh, most people in this area know, musician with the band Scandal. Keith was a beach boy, so they call the umbrella kids today. I assume they're still called beach boys or beach girls or beach whatever. But uh, <laughs> I started doing the lunch breaks for Keith. So I'd work an hour or two a day covering him for lunch when I was seven and eight years old, nine, 10 years old. And I would take all that money and I'd go to the Silver Dollar Arcade, which I mean, you might be too young for that even. Silver Dollar was the main arcade on the boardwalk. Yeah, no, I'm at the, um, what, oh God, I'm forgetting, the one is Zlenkies, right? I, I just know it for the elephant. Yeah, that's, you're young. Yeah. it's uh, This is up on the other, under the boardwalk, up okay. where the boardwalk plaza is now. And OB's in that area. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Silver Dollar, and there was a bar called the Riptide that I was too young, but I used to peek in the windows and just see what was going on in there. Cause I used to be a, being a beach boy and I, you know, they had the lifeguard Olympics and after the lifeguard Olympics, all the 21 year old guards would go to the riptide and have all the wet t-shirt contests and beer chugging contests and everything. So I was a kid peeking in the windows. and wanted to see what was going on. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, every, everything has changed. Everything has grown. You know, it's grown in the last two years with everybody, with COVID, everybody's now living at the beach and spending more time at their beach houses. So it is totally grown into more of a year-round town. I'm much more of a Dewey guy than a Rehoboth guy these days. I've invested in this community. I live in this community. I bleed for the community of Dewey Beach. I think Dewey's one of the most wonderful towns in the world. 
I love the lack of infrastructure, the laid back, the lack of curbs, you know, the fact on the beach in Dewey, you still have less rules than you have in all the other beaches. You can still throw a Frisbee, throw a football, skimboard, surf, bring your dog on the beach after Dude, five o'clock. I was about to say Everything the dog thing's Dewey, huge. I love. One way or another, I'm involved in most of the decisions in Dewey, whether it's with the commissioners for advice, whether it's with the town managers, whether it's, you know, with the business community, I kind of consider myself the leader of the business community, community, not by choice, but by default. That's kind of been labeled to me, um, started the Dewey business partnership years ago. And that's a lot of the businesses in town. We do a lot of events for the town of Dewey. We, our goal is to keep the town well-rounded. So it's not specifically a bar town where we, we do patronize all the families. So, and there's just a lot of segments to Dewey that make it wonderful. So I, uh, I certainly plan to always be active in the town of Dewey and promoting it. I jokingly, when I was the chairman of the Chamber of Commerce the last two years, in my opening speech, first agenda item was to change the name of the Rehoboth Beach Chamber of Commerce to the Dewey Beach Rehoboth Beach Chamber of Commerce. I got <laughs> lots of laughs over that. When I relinquished my chairmanship a month ago to Carrie Lingo, who took over, I... Uh, made a motion to change the name back to the Rehoboth Beach, Dewey Beach Chamber of Commerce since I was no longer done, but I, I've always had fun with it and uh, always will. Um, that's kind of my take on it. I'm curious and feel free, and I'm sure you will, correct me, however, uh, going almost back to just influence and sway, I want to say it was St. Patrick's Day weekend that can't we blame the Starbird for shutting down the entire state of Delaware because Governor Carney came down saw everybody partying and was like, COVID's going to destroy our entire state. We're on lockdown. No, let's, let's, and, you have part, part of your facts correct. <laughs> it was Starboard opening weekend. It was St. Patty's Day. We had the tents out. We had everything ready to go. Thousands of people were coming to town. COVID was starting to break out everywhere. Nobody really knew how fast or you know, what it was going to turn into. We were starting to get concerned. And on that Wednesday, March 13th, the NBA shut down. Okay. At that time, Delaware had three or four, you know, two, three or four cases at University of Delaware that had been identified. On that Thursday, we were starting to get nervous. Thursday, the 14th, our opening weekend was that. started that night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We were all set, ready to go. There was $100,000 worth of product on hand. We were, you know, the whole, like I said, the world was coming. The hotels were booked. I started to feel the weight of the world on my shoulders because I was not sure what to do. I mean, if we closed if we canceled everyone in town would be upset because all their hotel reservations would cancel other restaurants would be like what are you doing what are you doing we're so ready that it was a very stressful time that day on that thursday march 14th i got a call from the governor's office saying we are tracking all these university of delaware kids in the whole state on social media they're all coming to delaware <laughs> they're all coming to dewey i'm sorry not delaware um, God. they're all coming to the starboard to come into your opening the last thing we want for us or for you is to become the epicenter of COVID-19 breakout. So we really would love you to cancel your event. And I said, I'm with you, but they told me they didn't want me to close. They just wanted me to cancel the event. I said, well, our event is opening weekend. So I don't know how to cancel opening weekend and stay open. <laughs> and they were like, they were very sensitive. They didn't want us, you know, nobody's going to say we want you to lose business, but they certainly wanted us to be cautious with all these people so that all these people didn't come to town and we had thousands of people. I said, here's what I can do. 
They said, I'm going to close at six o'clock each day because that way the people are coming to town for the starboard. We're open during the daytime before the nighttime bar crowds and the craziness kick in. We will be long done and closed. They were like, we're not asking you to do that. But I said, I have to. It's the only way I can control. I can't keep. I think at that point they were asking you to keep two or three hundred people. And that's it. Instead of three thousand or whatever the number I joke. It's thousands. I said, how would I do that? I'd have a line of thousands of people and only 300 people in here. And people would be, it'd be, a, you know, an outcry. And people would go crazy. And then you still so have the congregation so, anyway. It's just outside yeah, so of your establishment. I got the word out quickly that, that night that we were going to not have our outside parking lot tent. We were going to, because of COVID, we didn't want to, we didn't want to endanger anybody. We didn't want to spread. We were going to keep a very limited capacity of just a couple hundred people. We were going to close at 6 p.m. every day. We did that. We were closed. Meanwhile, a lot of other businesses were in town, got all of our people and were jam packed. Uh, um, but I don't blame them. You know, they were not told by the governor's office here the thing, <laughs> take the business. Nobody knew what this was going to turn into. Nobody yeah. knew what it was. I mean, we had comments on social media. I'll always remember every single one of them that were made. I printed them out and what people were saying about us, but I can assure you, we were closed at 6 p.m. And people were saying starboard was open starboard this time like no we did the right thing and i can sleep well at night knowing we did the right thing by closing at 6 p.m we left hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table by doing that but we uh we played it safe from day one we played it safe for 16 months we always did the right thing and uh now that it's appears to be coming to an end right you know, we will always be able to look back at history and know that we did things the right way 100 percent of the time does that, I do remember there was a little bit of debate, or I guess, I don't even know if debate's the right word, but a little bit of talk, do we allow to go drinks, right? Like that, that's a big deal. Normally you can't get that in Delaware. I think it just got re-upped for an additional year. So it'll basically be like two years where you can walk in, get some food and get it to go orange crush. Does yep. making that kind of decision you did, does that help you to then have the ear of, Hey man, I gave this up. Can you please help businesses by adding this to legislation or are those two um, separate things? I'm very involved in all that kind of stuff. And uh, as much as I dislike politics, I don't do that. It's a small state. We all work together, whether it's our speaker of the house, Pete, who is wonderful for all of our businesses. And I mean, for the whole state, even though he represents yeah. our district, he really, 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 you know, sweats it out to do the right thing for the business community and tries to help everyone more than people realize our governor. He really, he reaches out. He reached out to me on that Monday after opening weekend, my cell phone rang. It was the governor. He said, thank you. I know that was our decision. It was the right decision. Trust me. We're going to help you out every way we can. And for 15 weeks after that, I think I was on the phone with the restaurant association with our governor every week. And he did do everything over and above that he could do in a very challenging, difficult situation. And so I've been involved through the restaurant association mainly to help get take out that, to help get expansion of premise. The, the, I don't know if you can see the picture behind me or if the okay. people can, but that's, that's, you know, some of the stuff that we call silver linings that I think will be around. We've, it's been approved for another year. I am pretty confident they'll try to work a way to make that permanent. Why? Why go back to the way things were if it's working the way it is now? 
just because of COVID. You know, why did we have that rule in the first place? If it helps businesses, businesses were hurt drastically, many more than, you know, I'm fortunate. We stayed pretty good during this thing. Um, but a lot of businesses were hurt much worse. They need the help. They need everything that can state can do. And I can promise you, I know the state plans to try to make some of these things permanent. They're talking now about what zoning, what restrictions, what limitations to to consider, but to make this stuff permanent for the foreseeable future, if not forever. And the picture you're referencing for people who won't see it are like picnic tables. Is that the parking lot that goes up towards no, like Route 1? That's the parking lot. I mean, why why worry about seven or eight parking spaces is all we have here. Instead, we can have 70 or 80 outdoor seats mm. that are just that, outdoors, safe, you know, beautiful weather. It's the beach. People want to be outdoors. Yeah, no doubt. So normally you wouldn't be able to do that or you'd have to get like a special permit in order to Correct. have people in that parking Correct. lot. Yep. Got you. Okay. Is there is there anything else COVID-wise that people maybe reflecting back can get an understanding from you about? Like I, anything that like someone like me who just wouldn't even understand I, doesn't know happened or could have happened? I think the hardest thing about, you know, about COVID for everybody, the hardest thing for any person in business, really anyone in general, is not knowing. The not knowing is tough. Business people like to have a plan. They like to have know what their thing expense is going to be. Have budgets, you know, operate their business to the best of their ability. But the not knowing last year was terrifying to everyone. And you know, we pulled through. The community pulled through. We were fortunate to be at the beach where people still came to the beach. It's an outdoor area. Um, you know, I, I think I don't like when people bash the governor, the politicians, whatever. Most of the ones I know which is a small few, but the ones I know really worked hard, really, really sweated this thing out with us. And they took on as much stress as we did to try to do the right things. And I, I for one, am very appreciative of that. Um, it's paying dividends right now. We've been open for, you know, fully un, un, uh, restricted for three weeks and it's been three of the busiest weeks we've ever had. I think that's going to continue this whole summer and um, maybe for much longer than that, maybe the roaring twenties is a real thing. That's we'll experience it. Um, but I just think the staff, the employees, the ability to hire right now, you've, everybody's talked about the worker shortages, all these things are to blame, not anyone, but is, but anything. And that's the, the thing to blame is COVID. It's, it chased people out of the restaurant industry. It chased people into other industries. It chased people to go where they knew they could get sustainable income. They didn't know if restaurants were going to open and what open meant. Restricted was not open. People were not making the money they once made. So the staff of the restaurants, and I don't care if it's a mom and, t- mom and pop pizza shop to the restaurant like the Starboard, to a country club, to anything, to a nightclub, to a fine dining, people very much appreciate that people are taking care of them, tipping well. Tipping is a way of life. That's the occupation these people have chosen. They do really well with it. And uh, I can just say it makes people feel good to tip and to take care of people. So it's the American way. Um, Charitable. A few leg- legislators have tried to attack tipping sometimes and say you should pay full minimum wage to servers. That's not what that. servers want. Servers don't want that. Servers want to work for tips. Now they're saying you still don't, you can still tip, but the mentality of 
if people know that servers are getting $15 an hour, they're not going to tip. We all know that. What is the server? So when I was waiting tables, it was $2.38 an hour. What do servers yeah, make nowadays? Hourly? It's still similar. But okay. it's, you know, that's their paycheck. They're guaranteed minimum wage. Minimum wage is about to go up. We all know it. We've all seen it. It's going to go to $15 an hour. Yeah. So they're guaranteed $15 an hour. They're already there. They always have been. Because you're claiming um, the tips within the income. So you just have the hourly basically, and correct me if I'm wrong again, the establishments or the, the workplaces gave that money to almost like recoup taxes. Because I remember getting negative paychecks when I had right. a really good week where I had to pay the business like $50 to $80 to cover my taxes. Right. And that's what, you know, here at the Starboard, what we do, we pay them more than the 223, you know, required amount. Um so that we can cover their taxes. We okay. we have to pay them at least seven, eight, nine dollars just to cover Fed and FACA, you uh, know, Social Security withholdings. So we're already paying them more. They're making on average, they're making really good money. I mean, I don't know if it's twenty five dollars, thirty, thirty five, or fifty dollars an hour. Yeah. But they're making on average much, much higher wages than minimum wage across the board. We have seven restaurants, I can tell you they're all making, you know, great money. They're you know that's how they prefer to do it. That's the industry. You know, it's a it's a reward for giving good service. Yeah, to ensure it's prompt well. service, right? Yep. Is there a way to compromise that to get, say, like the factory worker or someone, whatever, on Amazon factory line, get them to the bare minimum of 15 an hour, but keep tipped employees? Is that some sort of concession? Well, I think we're there. I think the minimum wage is about to go up anyway. There's a thing called a tip credit, and that's staying. People have... Certain legislators have talked about that, but it's mostly, I believe, been beaten down because the servers themselves have said, have fought publicly on social media to please keep the tip credit. We want to stay, stay as tipped employees. Um, so I think that we're there. Let let the restaurant people still work for tips. Let the everyone else in their industries get their $15 an hour minimum wage. I personally don't think $15 is still a livable wage. All it's going to do is drive up prices. Yeah. I can promise you all of our prices are going to go up. Um, we have to because it's going to make the cost of doing business much more expensive. Are so. you and, – and not to get too pry, and again, you can um, – I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of dishwashers and – so a hostess, when I was working in restaurants, it was a huge deal for a hostess, again, 20 years ago, to make $10 an hour. It was a really big deal. Like if you made $11 an hour, you're basically a manager <laughs> at that yeah. point. So I'm curious, the cost, is it from your labor side or is it from your purchasing side because the things you are purchasing, you anticipate going up in cost? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> it's uh, Labor's going up for us. I mean, everybody, nobody's making $11 anymore. They're all much higher than that. Gotcha. And purchases are much higher because their employees cost them more. One, you know, COVID's driven everything up because the cost to get anything, a, a case of oranges last year, was $24. A case of oranges this year is $48. It's doubled. Holy shit. I mean, crab meat right now is impossible to get. A pound of crab meat's $50 right now. It used to be $18 to $25. So the cost of everything, cost of cups, plastic, manufacturing, everything's high. And, you know, inflation is already dug deep into the economy without people realizing they're just starting to talk about it now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's, been, um, that's been the fear not to get too political. Um, interesting. Um, I, I've always wondered about that. And it's really nice to talk to a, a small, or I don't want to call you a small business owner, a business owner, um, to just get some understanding of 
why prices would go up. I had read Chipotle was going to increase their prices by 4%. And you're talking about things doubling. That seems so small in, in relativity, right? Like if they were all about crab fajitas and their crabs doubled in price, you wouldn't expect just a 3 to 4% increase. Yeah, I mean, these, you know, business is about volume. The bigger volume you do, the more the percentages work. Gotcha. And so you're just trying to get your, you know, percentages to remain the same. I mean, your bottom line is whatever percent it is. You're just trying to, you know, adjust those percentages. And so volume helps that stuff from a place like Chipotle. It's, you know, volume's probably pretty high. A place like us, our volume's high. We can raise things a quarter to adjust for a, you know, $3 an hour raise. So. Gotcha. That makes sense. I had um, taken some classes. Um, I'm actually a school teacher and taking some classes. I went with a, uh, there was a financial advisor from Sussex Tech, and he always said his biggest advantage over local districts is a penny for him could get him a hundred grand, where a penny for some districts could get them ten grand. And it is, it's just a volume and a scale thing that um, it's hard to hard to quantify, hard to realize. If you go to somewhere and an ice cream cone costs two dollars more, and you're like, why? Well, if that's their only stand, that's why their price goes up because they don't have the volume to compensate. They don't have the reps in order to uh, keep their prices low. I think that's important to remember when people start seeing these oh, prices because yeah. they're coming. The prices are coming. And it sucks if people get like real upset at the businesses and think like businesses are really trying to like gouge the roaring 20s that are coming back. You know, yeah. oh, everyone wants to get out. We're pent up. We got all this saved up money. They're just trying to take our money. Like I feel like businesses with the labor and the product increase, man, they're going to be pinched along with the safety and having a year worth of debt. Like they're pinched yeah. for profits. It's going to be. It's going to be eye-opening. Trust me, it's going to be to a lot of people. It's, I mean, I feel bad for everyone, but it's just part of not, not much I can do about it. Yeah, right. So you had mentioned the oranges, and I don't know if you've noticed, I actually stopped at the grog shop on the way and got a Dewey Crush, which is inspired by Dewey Beach Starbird. Yep. So the I, I do have to – I probably have to wind it up after this just for the record because I – Awesome. I – uh. I did have an appointment that I didn't know just popped up on my screen. It's uh, in about 15, 20 minutes. So okay. I, I'd love to talk about that. No. Yeah. So the grog shop in, in Peddler's Village, which is an old school shop, something I went in there and um, honestly, I had to buy a variety pack. Yeah. So is, uh, it, trying to show it to you, but yeah, right here. The four pack. So dude, they told me. They sold 35 cases, which is six four packs, basically 200 of them they sold at the grog shop. And I could not get a Dewey Crush orange flavored in a four pack. I had to buy the, I think it was like $42 variety 16 pack in order to get the yeah. orange one that I'm sipping with you as we do the podcast. Uh, and I'm so well, they curious. Just, they just came out with these. I mean, it's some, some guys I got to know that are in the flavor business and they do this kind of stuff. Starboard's obviously you know, pretty famous with our orange crush. We did not invent the drink. It was invented down at the Harbor side in ocean city, Maryland or West ocean city. It's big in Baltimore. It's big at Dewey. It's big in ocean city. Um, but I think I always joke that we perfected it. That doesn't mean that theirs aren't awesome also, but they're all awesome. <laughs> that being said, uh, Starbucks got such a huge reputation, such a name that I helped work with these guys to try to get the flavoring perfect, to try to get everything about it perfect, the packaging perfect. It just got out last weekend for Memorial Day or two weeks ago, whatever that was, and a lot of liquor stores sold out. It's been very popular out of the gate. It's 
expensive to make, but once it's expensive to buy right now, that will come down because as anything you start up and start getting to bigger quantities and bigger production, the, the price is going to come down. But right now we're on a very small production to get this done. It's being done out West and shipped East. Oh, two weeks from now we'll have uh, skinny crushes coming out, which are less calories, be a little less alcohol, which helps get to less calories, of course. Right. But watermelon, orange, and grapefruit are the three flavors we've gone with right now. Those are the three flavors we do at the starboard. Orange crush is the famous biggest one. Grapefruit crush is the second. And then watermelon's really taken off. And I personally really like the watermelon ones that they've made. It's, it's very refreshing. If you're out on a boat, you're on the beach, you're in the yard, these crushes are pretty delightful. Did they approach you or did you have an idea and just needed some people who had the time to focus in on making it? Honestly, I've always wanted to do that. And for as many salespeople that come to me, when they sat down with me, they did approach me. I was shocked that somebody actually came to me with something that I wanted to do. Um, so we, we talked about it, God, a year ago, probably. <clears throat> and then, you know, over the winter came to fruition. Our, our plan was to kind of time it. So it launched with the end of COVID. Not the, again, not the COVID is hundred percent done, but it's ending or yeah. way, way, way low. So uh, the timing's been pretty perfect. Dude, it, it really is. It's, it's a great, I mean, it's a great summer drink. I'm yeah, super... I mean, we're, we're not, for me, it's more of a marketing thing. I mean, I, there's laws in Delaware when you're on a liquor license that you cannot own a piece of a distribute a distribution company. Uh, so I don't own any of it. The cyber doesn't own a piece of this. We're just, you know, they're marketing us. I'm marketing them. And it's just making the name Starboard bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh. Um, for us, we certainly try to work with them to help make it better. But don't uh, don't yell at me when the price is high because production. And don't think you're buying my kids' shoes when you're buying some because you're not. But uh, other than you're helping with the already, you know, extreme popularity of the Starboard. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't think the price was high. I forget what a case was but i think it was basically like four dollars maybe five dollars a drink i, I want to say it was closer to four i think a case was about 15.99 which seems to be pretty standard because those cocktails in a can have exploded i'm not like beyond the whole like setzer white claw thing like that actual cocktail in a can um that seems to be standard price 3.99 for a single four dollars for a single yep that's you know high noon and white claw and all those you know competitors they're all they're all in that same range. Yeah, I think this is next level though, because it's more of a cocktail, less of a spritzer. To be honest with you, like I um again, just going by the grog shop, they have like this cool little. It's almost like a singles where you used to buy like sodas. Um, I don't, I don't know even what it's called, a refrigerator with a clear glass um door on it, where you can see all the different cocktails in a can, and they're all four to five dollars each, man. And it these are super refreshing and tasty. Like I. I'm amazed when all that to say, when you had said the prices go down or are slated to go down with production increase, that's awesome to hear. Cause I already think they're a yeah. value. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a little on the high end right now, but it's again, that's like I said earlier about the restaurant business and all business volume solves everything. Right. And when the volume gets up, the price will come down. So are you, and that's interesting. I had no idea that it was, um, you were just like, it's a branding thing. Not like a, you are making a micro brew kind of a thing. Right. So what's the difference? Like, why aren't you, why can't you be like dogfish and you're like, can't, you're like the micro crush guy or something like that? Well, just because of the liquor license laws in Delaware, I mean, without getting too deep into it, you can't be on, 
craft beer is one thing, but on liquor and stuff, you can't be on both sides of it. You can't make it and sell it uh, as far as a, a liquor license of a restaurant or bar. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, Monty, fuck, man, I wish I, I knew it. I knew it was going to be a little short. Um, ah, can I either actually, yeah, I'd like to end with this. Is there a cool story by, I know your last name is Montgomery. Is there a cool story behind why Monty is such a big deal for you to go by? Or is that just kind of blase? Uh, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's a cool story. I'd be honest with you. It's not, I mean, Monty's obviously short for Montgomery. It's, uh, you know, I didn't pick it. I didn't name it just to start it in college, but it's, it's kind of funny because I tell people all the time, I go, you know, I'm just a normal guy, but Monty seems to be some real cool guy. Cause everybody talks about Monty, Monty, Monty. I don't know who a lot of them are. I don't know if they know who I am, but man, they build this Monty name up. The name is way, way bigger than the person. It's a brand. That's for sure. Cause everybody seems to know Monty or say they know Monty or use the name to get into whatever. And I just laugh cause I don't know. I mean, I know everybody comes through here, I guess a lot of it's just that I've been here for so long and so many people come through the starboard, get to know you, have been supportive, and hopefully that means I've treated them well. I mean, I certainly am gracious and appreciate so much that I've been given, and uh, maybe that's just helped grow the appreciation and the recognition of me being associated with the starboard. And again, kind of everything you've touched on with so many people coming through this place and the identity of it and the Scott Van Peltz or the whoever's, I mean, the movie Hollywood people that have come through here. Um, you know, it's just all helped build to the aura of, you know, what the starboard is today. I think the fact I grew up in the DC area, you know, I have some fun with it because I know so many people from the Washington area that come here. Or I did back when I was living there. I've been here for 20 plus years now, full time. It's also helped me with all those friends and, customers from the Philadelphia and Wilmington area because they love to give me a hard time about their Eagles <laughs> and about my Redskins. And right. that has done nothing but build friendship rivalries yeah. and ball breaking back and forth for years and years to come. And it's amazing how I shit talk does the that. Philadelphia Eagles for one reason. That's because all of my closest friends are Eagles fans. <laughs> and when we get beat, we being the Washington football team now get beat by the Eagles. My phone is relentless. I bet. So, that's uh, that's been the fun part of sports and being a fan, but it's relayed into business because I cannot watch a Redskins Eagles game at the Starboard because I get brutal. I get beat up, heckled, heckled. Well, dude, that's interesting. You say Monty's a brand because the I had three, four dudes at the grog shop and I was like, yeah, I was just looking for a case of the orange. They were like, why? And I explained, oh, you know, I'm supposed to have um, Monty on my podcast, and they were like, Monty's coming on your podcast. And like, I have no idea if they know you or not. And I'm almost sure it was the owner, or at least he runs the grog shop out there, a younger kid. But it was, yeah. it's funny that you, again, you were just Monty. They were Monty. I was like, yeah, the, the owner of the starboard is coming on. They were Monty. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I, I got friends that joke. They come in, if there's a long line to the starboard and they say, Steve Montgomery, the doorman let him right in because they figure they must be family. <laughs> That's <laughs> Hot tip. Uh, just, Hot take for just, everyone just who's just listening. Kind of took off, but there's nothing, nothing special about me other than uh, me being a lucky guy who knows a lot of people. All right. Well, Mr. Montgomery, let's end the podcast with this. And if you can tell, think, start thinking of one last story you want to share for people who are getting to know you. Okay. Can I please get your best first for last? We've saved the best first for last. 
sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. Oh, boy. You, got me. you didn't even give me a clue to think of something before you did now, this? I, so it's part of, and I'll, I'll ramble a little bit while you're thinking. Um, it's part of like a little social science experiment that I do. I kind of spring it on people. For It's how I yep. end the podcast. The capitalist in me hopes that it becomes a sponsored segment at some point. But I think when you're getting to know someone, something you get to know about people is their first experiences with something. I think it's cool to understand the first time somebody went through something. Since we're ending the podcast, I just call it the best first for last. Well, I mean, I, I might play on the heartstrings a little bit here. And I, you know, I said how I started here at a young age, 17, 18 years old. I've got a wonderful wife that I love dearly and two beautiful, awesome daughters that are now 10 and 14. And uh, my 14-year-old is going to start working at the starboard her first shift in the t-shirt shack only see she's young enough. I'm like you. And, uh, you know, knowing while I was not ready for that to happen, I realized that 14 is about the age where a lot of kids start to work and to have her come spend her first shift here working in kind of my shoes and on my tracks and in my space. Yeah. I was freaked out about to be honest with you i'm like oh my god like this is my life that i live here when i go home i try not to take the starboard home with me that's wife family we're watching you know the voice together and doing the things you do when you have little girls right and uh it's absolutely out of this world to see like your kid get started in your footsteps not to not that she plans to take over the starboard for me today but to like all of a sudden develop her own friends working in a place that's my family, my other family, and see how special this place is to so many customers who come through the doors. I think she's instantly starting to get it at a young age of 14 that, wow, this place is pretty special because for 10 years, she has rolled her eyes. I was going to oh, say. Oh, God, in starboard. I was, we were in Park City skiing this year. We go to the airport and, you know, not only on the mountain of Park City do People see starboard and they're like, oh my God, starboard. And the hotel, people are starboard. We were at the airport and the guy checking us in for American Airlines was like, Smotty, the starboard. Oh my God, I used to live in Dewey. <laughs> my, my daughter just rolls her eyes like, it's ridiculous how many people know the starboard. She's just, it's almost like it offends her. Right. And now that she's been here for a little bit and worked a couple of shifts, it's really neat to see her in her first few shifts instantly start to get that feeling that I have about how special a place the starboard is. And hopefully for a few years, it becomes part of her life. I don't know if she's going to want me coming to the hang out with her and her friends when she gets older. And uh, <laughs> I think I'll be the old man that goes home earlier by then. But right now I'm still the guy who's here late every night. Right. But maybe by then uh, she's got six years before she's allowed to have her first drink in the starboard. And I'll be fine. If she waits all six years or if she wants to wait 10 years, I'll be fine with it. I bet. Did she? That's, you know, that's kind of been a special first for me. I mean, I've I've had a lot of firsts in this restaurant. I mean, it's the first restaurant, my first business. I remember, I probably remember about my first few years at the Starboard than I do the last fifteen years at the Starboard because it all becomes <laughs> monotonous and you know the same and new people every year. But it's still what I said earlier about having younger kids who work in their first summer here. That's still what's most special for me is trying to like. For me, it's always reminiscing, but explaining to them how special and how great some of this place, you know, uh, this is going to be their favorite job the rest of their lives. 
and because it won't feel I like work. That's safe to say. Yeah, everybody that leaves here, they leave here. A lot of times they don't come back, and then I reach out like, why? Why haven't you come back in ten years? They're like, I can't. It's too emotional. I miss it every single day. Aww. And they tell me like, I was. I had half the friends in my life because I worked at the Starboard. And, you know, when I, my connections in business was because I could tell people I worked at the Starboard. So it's apparently, I don't know, cause I've never left, but apparently <laughs> it's a really difficult place to leave because you instantly, I don't know if it's the coolness or the connections or what, but you, you the, lose something when you leave here. The energy, man, the energy. You're, yep. you, and you spoke about it. Like you start the day running. It's gotta be so different for a, not a bar, a restaurant, breakfast, lunch, dinner, it seems like y'all are always popping from Bloody Marys to Orange Crushes to Eggs Benedict. Like, it seems like you guys always have some sort of connection with someone's day at the beach, if not multiple parts of their day at the beach. Oh, we do. And it's definitely the place to be. And everybody comes here. And that's, uh, like I said, it's so many things to so many people that it's, uh, that's probably why people are talking about it. Grandparents, grandchildren, and, and yeah. parents are all, so, uh, have all had their nice time here. Did your daughter haggle with you about her hourly wage? That, that'll be my last question. Did, did she no, try to get no, like 25 she, an hour or something? She don't have any choice and she's getting a low wage and she's, you know, when you're 14, you're just trying to teach them how to work. Yeah. So that's, yeah. you know, that's really all she's here for. I'm, I'm certainly not going to ask any favors. I'm going to expect her to wash windows and vacuum and clean and do all those things because I want to teach her what working's all about. I worked from a young age. Yeah, yeah. I want her to work hard at a young age and, and gain an appreciation for a paycheck. Cause I think, you know, I think when a kid gets that first paycheck, whether it's $60 or $160, such a good feeling, they change instantly. hundred percent. You get at that ambition. Wow. I earned this. Yep. I have choice in this. I, what do I yep. want to do with this? Is, is it just a Friday night or am I trying to stretch it to next Thursday? <laughs> right? Yep. Like there's so much that goes into it. And the only perk she may get is an employee meal free rather than half price. And, uh, <laughs> She may get off when her mother needs her off. Gotcha. <laughs> Little scheduling perks. Well, yep. Mr. Montgomery, just because you had mentioned the voice, I don't know if it was the season. Um, Paige Turner had actually has been a guest on this podcast. She was on The Voice. She made it to the top 12. So if your daughter wants to get to know a little more about her, she can check out Paige Turner's episode on the pod. Sir, thank well, we, you. Mr. Montgomery. Uh, we just had Drew Cole here on stage three days ago on Saturday. Oh, shit. Um, who was also on The Voice season 18 a couple of years ago. Okay. Man, that's that's such a cool... It's just... So, it, I, I don't know. I don't want to be too much of a fanboy. That's so fucking cool. <laughs> um, Mr. Montgomery, thank you so much, sir, for uh, supporting a Delaware podcast, for coming on the Getting to Know You pod, for letting people get to know about you and your business. Uh, I really you appreciate it. your time. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a great summer. Thank you. I'll be seeing you, hopefully. Great. <laughs> Huge thanks to Monty for coming on the Getting to Know You pod. I appreciate you, Mr. Montgomery, for taking the time to support a Delaware-based podcast by telling your fantastic tales. Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search him up. It's Andre, P-S-Y-C-H-E, on social media. Give him a follow, just for the fuck of it. Thanks to Dewey Crush, the summer's most sought-out and coveted East Coast drink, for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Bring a case of Dewey Crush, the delicious, refreshing, ready-to-drink canned cocktail with you to your next summer event to crush it. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. 
And possibly even more importantly, you can go to our Patreon to support the pod in our quest for upgrading our editing and sound equipment for as little as $2 a month. Chip in a bit if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests. And if you have not already, please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Word of the pod. Word of the pod is... What else could it be? Starboard. Starboard is the word of the pod. Post that word on any of our social media or tag the Getting to Know You pod when you use it on yours to get a shout out on the very next podcast. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business, how to make it happen. All you need to do is message us. Maybe now would be appropriate to say, au revoir.